0: from the book of Genesis, hope for from the tribe of Judah. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son will bow down to you. You're a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah. Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. this is the word of the Lord
1: hope of light in the darkness nevertheless there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress in the past He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord.
0: A prophecy from the book of Ezekiel, hope of life and death. The hand of the Lord was on me and brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Reading from the Gospel of John. Hope in Resurrection. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary of Magdala went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. They asked her, "'Woman, why are you crying?' "'They have taken my Lord away,' she said, "'and I don't know where they have put him.'" At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, "'Woman, why are you crying? "'Who is it you are looking for?' Thinking he was the gardener, she said, "'Sir,' So Mary and Magdala went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord.
2: it's uh, it's my turn. This is great. Uh, I'm gonna stand here, which means I'm gonna have my back to you guys. So I'm very, very sorry about that. I'm not being rude, we just have to talk. To these guys, uh, but you're doing a fantastic job, by the way. Can we give these guys a big, uh, a big clap for doing so good? <laughs> hey, great. Just do that. Uh, I always have to have a timer in front of myself because if I don't, um, I talk for ages and ages and ages. Um, but it's really, this is great. It's great, really great to be here with you guys. Um, I love uh, getting to come back here. I love being invited back here, which means you know, people still like me and want to see me here. Um, no, this is really great. Uh, I guess I should introduce myself for those of you who don't know me, though. Uh, my name is Eric Hughes, as it says up on the screen there. Um, and uh, I'm 32 years old. I have a 31-year-old wife named Kate and a four-year-old daughter named Olivia. This is their relative heights. Yeah, about that. Um, and I used to live here a very, very long time ago. I was the youth worker here for a few years. Uh, which means me and my wife, we uh, lived in the apartments that are just upstairs, uh, which was brilliant. We we got married and we came straight home. We came here and we lived here, and uh, for the first few years of our marriage, which was great because it was just the two of us, and it's a lovely sized apartment when it's just two people. Uh, but then there was more than two people after a little while because we brought our little girl home, and, and this was a great place for her to live. And um, she used to love to come down here and play the drums or like run around here. Um, she took her first steps in this building. She had her first vomiting bug in this building. Uh, she said her first words in this. Building. So this is a lovely, like it's always lovely for me to come back here because it feels like it really feels like coming home, and it's lovely to see so many um, familiar faces. That's what I'm going to be talking about. Uh, now, now that I'm not the youth worker here, I work for an organisation called Scripture Union. Uh, raise your hand if you've heard of Scripture Union before. Lovely, as lovely Uh Now in Ireland, there's two Scripture Unions. So there's Scripture Union in Northern Ireland, uh, who do lots of cool stuff like making Sunday school notes and Bible reading notes and stuff like that. And a lot of times when people here in Ireland think of Scripture Union, they think it's the, the other one up north. I work for the Good Scripture Union down here. and they said, so if you've ever been in avocacan Manor, anyone ever been in a Manor before? Deadly. Not as many, but still a lot. Um, we own and operate a Manor, and um, so I do a lot of work up there. Has anyone used the NUA resource, NUA, NUA film series at all? Slightly less again, but uh, that's one of the coolest things that we do, uh, so we made the NUA film series. We have a new NUA coming out, uh, which is not a sequel, it's a follow on, and it's even better than the first one because it features me this time, uh, and that one's gonna be for primary school aged kids. Um, so that's a little bit about what I do. Well, actually what I do for Script Union is I work in schools. So my main job is to go into schools all over the country uh, and run retreats because uh, a lot of faith-based schools or faith ethos schools have retreat days built into their uh, curriculum and my job is to go in and run these retreats because the teachers either don't want to uh, or can't and so I run the retreats. And What that job really means is I'll go into a school and 80 or so kids will come into a big hall and then the teachers will say thanks very much and they'll leave and then it'll just be me and all these kids and then I have to entertain them for the day but the big thing that I get to do is tell them about jesus um, because what's great about working in schools in ireland is that there's no restrictions about that they want you to talk about jesus so uh, i had to give my report to our council this year and i said and one of the questions they ask is how many individual young people do you think that you've had a chance to interact with over the calendar year? Uh, And this year, and it's not boasting, it's just statistics, um, the the number was 4,000 young people. So over the course of the year, I got to interact with over 4,000 young people all over the country, which means it's 4,000 young people uh, who heard the gospel, a clear explanation of the gospel, who may not have had that opportunity. And I don't tell you that statistic to boast or say how great I am because you weren't there and you don't know what I said to them. All, All you know is that they were there. Um, But I tell you that because uh, we need your prayers. Scripture Union really, really needs your prayers, and I need your prayers. Um, Because while this is a fantastic job, it's not an easy job. Uh, And while we do have that open door, that door won't always be open, and there are people that are very, uh, very steadily trying to close that door. And so we ask you, here at the start, I ask you to, to pray for Scripture and to pray for our work, because I believe in the work, and I believe it's, it's world-changing work, but there's a lot of people that don't want us to do that work, so please do pray for us. But that is me and who I am. Uh, this is not why I'm here, though. I'm here tonight to talk about Christmas. So before I move on any further, I'm just going to say a quick prayer for us, and then we're going to keep talking. So let's pray. Father, thank you that we're gathered all here together. Um, thank you for these beautiful songs, for these talented musicians and singers, Thank you for this place and for this church that um, worships you and serves you, God. And I pray now over these next few minutes that uh, you would indeed be speaking to us from your word and speaking to us from the truth of what Christmas is really all about. Lord, I pray that you would bless my words, um, not so that I can uh, boast, but that you can be glorified through them, God. Um, Give us ears that hear and minds that understand and hearts to receive your word here this evening. Amen. 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 Um, So... Believe it or not, it's Christmas. Uh, which is fantastic because I love Christmas. I'm one of those people that, as soon as it's October first, I want to stick on my Christmas jumper and listen to Christmas music. But some people frown upon that sort of activity, uh, and so when it gets to be October, I have to keep it to myself. So I'm a closeted Christmas celebrator uh, in October, and people don't really want to know about it. Then it gets to be November, and you can be a little bit more open about your Christmassiness, you know. But people are still a bit like, "No, nah, just wait, just a few more, a few more weeks," you know. And then it gets to be December, and everyone else has to shut up, and you can be all about Christmas. Is that anyone else like that? Does anyone else love Christmas as much as I do? For people at a Christmas carol service, not many people are raising their hands. <laughs> uh, I absolutely adore Christmas. I love every single thing uh, about it. We had our Christmas carol service uh, in the church we attend now. We, we attend a church called Swords Baptist Church in Swords, very creative name. Uh, Swords Baptist Church. We had our carol service and I loved it um, because I got to plan it. I loved coming here because I didn't plan any of this. I just got to come and enjoy our one last week. I planned it and I loved it. I love Christmas songs. I love Christmas carols. Um, It's fantastic. And uh, some people aren't crazy about Christmas, though. I know that some people, you know, when it comes to be October, you're like, okay, Halloween's coming, but then Christmas is coming. And then people start talking about Christmas. You're like, no, don't talk about Christmas. It's not here yet. And then you're even in denial the first few weeks of December. You're like, no, it's not Christmas yet. And then it gets to be like the 20th of December. You're like, okay, you're like, okay let it be Christmas. How many people are like that? How many people dread the coming of Christmas? Now I'm confused because even less people, I don't know. Like, how many people are indifferent about Christmas? Alright. I love Christmas. Christmas is fantastic because it's different for a lot of people. So let's find out how different. So I have a little Christmas questionnaire. Uh, I had a little anxiety attack there because I wasn't sure if I spelled questionnaire correctly or not on PowerPoint. Is it okay? Fantastic. Uh, So what I want to know is, uh, by a show of hands, how many people have turkey for your main Christmas dinner meal thing? How many people have ham? Okay. How many people have a combination? Turkey and ham. How many people have miscellaneous third category of meat for Christmas? Like, so Kate and I got married. We got married in November. So our first Christmas together in two thousand fifteen, no two thousand eleven, we had a baby in two thousand fifteen. We got married in two thousand eleven. I'm the man in the relationship. Mix those things up. but our first Christmas was in our first month of marriage. Um, so, you know, the first month of marriage, it's all fantastic, and it's all rainbows and butterflies, and there's no arguments whatsoever. Then it came to a few weeks before Christmas, and, you know, for me, you have turkey at Christmas. That's just the way it is. Christmas is the turkey season. That's when you eat turkey. Kate turns to me one day in December of our first few months of marriage, and she says, so we'll just get a couple of chickens, yeah? <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> Chicken? At Christmas, it was our, it was honestly, it was our first, it was our first big fight, like first big fight, it was the first time I ever felt anything related to anger towards her, before that had always been love, and I was like, you want to, you should have told me this in our pre-marriage counseling, (laughs) that you eat chicken at Christmas, I didn't know that, Um, it wasn't that bad, that was for comic effect, but uh, people eat different things at Christmas, some people eat turkey, some people eat ham, some people have chicken, because you're weird, Um, like it's weird, you can have chicken any time, why would you have it at Christmas? Uh, okay, so I never considered that you would have the opening of the Christmas presents at any other moment at Christmas other than the f- very crack of dawn on Christmas morning. But by a show of hands, how many people open presents in the morning? Like first thing, first thing you do is open pre- No, wow, okay. Uh, how many people have it like after dinner? Christmas presents? Okay, when else would you open Christmas presents? Shout it out. Before dinner. Before dinner. So dinner's ready on the table and then kids are, why? Uh, okay, okay. For me, for me, I was the kind of kid who like the second I knew I was awake, I was straight down there. My parents were like, oh my God. I mean, Santa was like, oh my gosh. Um, okay. Okay, anyone go for a Christmas walk on Christmas morning? Too cold. Some people love that sort of thing though. Okay. Anybody go for a Christmas swim? Wow. That was, I did not expect to see any hands for that. There's two, three very odd people in the room. Uh, okay, anyone do a Chris Kindle? for Christmas? Like Secret Santa. Secret Santa, is not a thing that anybody does? Like at work or whatever. I think it's fantastic actually, because there's always that stress of like, what am I going to get the 90 people I need to buy presents for? Chris Kindle means you only have to buy one um, and it doesn't even have to be that good. Uh, okay. How many of you, so when do you put your Christmas tree up? When do you start decorating for Christmas? Because again, for me, it's October 1st. Um, our compromise in our house was the 1st of December, so is anybody putting their Christmas decorations up 1st of December, or, like, November thirty first? yeah? (laughs) How many people are putting your decorations up, like, the week before Christmas, like, December 20th? So, like, as early as you can. How many have an elf on a shelf? Anybody doing the elf on the shelf? This thing, my goodness gracious, where did it come from? We didn't want to have one on our house, you know, because we're good parents, but, uh, then Olivia's school have one, and she was coming home every day. She's like, "I didn't get a letter." Now we didn't know because Olivia doesn't tell us anything about school. She's like, "I didn't get a letter today." I was like, "What letter are you talking about?" Turns out the elf was writing kids letters to let them know they've been good, and us parents had to tell the elf what to say in the letter. And I was like, "Oh, so it's manipulation, okay?" <laughs> um, but what we figured out here now is that Christmas means different things to different people. We all celebrate Christmas in different ways, but the one thing we can all agree on is that we enjoy Christmas. Christmas is a good thing. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of joy. Um, My favorite thing about Christmas and my favorite thing when I was a kid was the aesthetic of Christmas. What I mean by the aesthetic of Christmas is Christmas looks a certain way. When you put up Christmas decorations, I mean, they've probably been the same for like 100 years or something like that, but it's always the green wreathy things. It's always some kind of red thing. It's always warm or bright lights. Christmas looks and feels a certain way. Christmas has certain smells associated to it. Christmas, even though it's different to each of us, it kind of is always the same. And even though we always have... Our own individual ways of celebrating it ultimately always has a similar feel or aesthetic to it but the question that i need to ask sometimes is how does the baby in the manger fit into that christmas aesthetic christmas always looks and feels and smells a certain way but how does the baby in the manger fit because if you look at the christmas story it's absolutely nuts now we tend to just think about the very hollywood sanitized version of the Christmas story. But if you actually open up the Gospels and read the Christmas story, it's a crazy story. It's a a story that begins with a teenage pregnancy, with an unwanted or at least an unplanned pregnancy of a young girl scared out of her mind, but deciding to trust God. It's a story about an unsure fiancé who's had a dream to tell him to stay with this girl and, and have this baby, but still a bit like, well, what's going on? It's a story about this young couple who have to travel miles and miles and miles to go to a town. It's a story, if you read it, that has a massacre at the end of it, which is something that I always forget, and then I read it thinking, oh, I'll do my lovely Christmas reading, and you get to this part about all these children being killed it's a story of a baby that no one wanted no one had room for a baby that was born in a stable a baby that was laid in a manger which when we think of a manger it's this lovely nice sanitized thing but the manger was a thing that had animal food in it now i'm a city boy and so i don't have much contact with animal food but we bring olivia to the farm and then you see the place where the animals are and it's not a clean happy nice place it's certainly not a place you want to have a baby in yet that's where the baby was born And it's a very messed up very crazy story and so the question that i need to ask is how does that baby fit into this christmas aesthetic this wonderful jolly holly celebratory image we have of christmas yet there's this crazy story about teenage pregnancy and babies being born in stables and just kind of madness and the other thing is christmas can be a very dark time for a lot of people a lot of us dread the coming of christmas now um I'm about to get very vulnerable and tell a part of my story that some of you already already know, some of you don't know. Um, I sometimes feel I need to give the disclaimer that I don't tell this part of my own personal story to manipulate or to get sympathy. It's just a story that is a true story that happened to me. Um, but I loved Christmas. I was like any kid who loved Christmas. Um, I would be awake on Christmas morning, the break of dawn and running down and open my presents. I loved decorating. One of the worst things that ever happened to me when I was a kid was I came home from school and my mother had put up the decorations without me. Now she thought she was doing this nice thing of like, oh, it'll be a surprise. And I was like, no, I want to open the box and take out the presents and look at all this, st- take out the... Well, the decorations, not the presents. Um, but I loved it. I loved Christmas. My dad would always drive us into Grafton Street to see the lights on Grafton Street. Uh, another weird thing about my wife was that their big like, Christmas thing was to go to the airport. Has anyone else done that? You go to the No, it's weird, right? They would go to the airport <laughs> to look at the lights at the airport. And I'm like, the airport always has lights on. But apparently the airport does some like mad Christmassy thing and that was their like big Christmas adventure. They would go to the airport. But we, we would go into town, you now, as in town today, and I'm wrecked. I think I had this really like romantic idea of what going into town on Christmas was like. We're like, oh, we'll go into town today and whatever. It's terrible, there's just people everywhere. Um, But when I was a kid, I loved it because of the lights. Um, I loved Christmas. Now, some of you know this, um, but my father passed away when I was 14 years old. Um, Well, just turned 14. Um, On the 5th of December in the year 2000, so 19-ish years ago, my father passed away. And I loved Christmas, but that first Christmas without our dad. Now, my dad hadn't been sick. We didn't know that he was going to be dying or anything like that. It just happened. It was one of those things. And we all have those moments in life at some point or another where it's just this impact crater happens and it changes everything. And obviously my father dying at such a young age changed everything. But one of the things that had changed for me was Christmas. Because Christmas had been this joyous celebration. I'm getting new toys and the decorations are and There's new clothes. It was an amazing time. That first Christmas was this bleak, lonely experience. And even though our mother tried really hard to make Christmas, that first Christmas without our dad, like any other Christmas, she bought us presents and she cooked us dinner and she put up the decorations and we couldn't go into town because our dad was the one that drove us into town. But we did Christmassy things, but it wasn't the same and it didn't feel the same. And although everyone around us were celebrating, I didn't really want to celebrate. And we kind of pretended to be happy and then life carried on the way life does. Uh, And then there was another Christmas to celebrate. and, And that christmas again it wasn't the same when we did the stuff when we made the dinner and we put up the decorations and we had presents but it wasn't the same and although people around us were celebrating and happy we didn't really feel like celebrating and then there was another christmas and another christmas and then christmas just kept coming and you don't have to raise your hands but how many of us feel that way that christmas it just keeps coming year after year, it just keeps coming. And it's the same. Put up the tree and buy the presents and make the dinner. And it just keeps coming. And I know people were celebrating. I didn't really feel like celebrating because all Christmas was, was this reminder of everything that I didn't have. It was a reminder of everything that I had lost. Um, Because I lost my father. And it's not unusual for people to lose their father. I know that there's people in this room who have lost their fathers. I just so happened to lose my father when I was young, and so that meant there was all these things that happened in life that my dad wasn't there for. Um, you know, my dad wasn't there to show me how to tie a tie for my deb's, or he wasn't there to teach me how to shave, or he wasn't there. You know, when I liked a girl and I didn't know how to talk to girls, and I didn't have a dad to go, "Hey, dad, how do you talk to girls?" You because know, dads are pretty much the expert in girls. They've done it. You know, they've got the girlfriend and had the wife and had the babies. They have it all figured out. So you're like. Dad should know. But I, I don't know if he knew or not. Maybe my dad was a fool and my mom was the one that I don't know. He wasn't there. And I tell this part of my story to say that I think for a lot of us, Christmas can be a very dark time, even though it is this great time of celebration. Some of us don't really feel much like celebrating. And it more feels like Christmas is thrust upon us rather than something that we actually want to um, experience. And so a question we need to ask is why do we celebrate? Because Christmas is a weird holiday. It happens at the darkest, literally, physically, geographically, it happens at the darkest time of the year. The nights are long, the days are short. It's freezing cold. Like it is so cold out today. So so cold. It's so cold that our daughter, like I, like, obviously I carry her sometimes, and I went to put her down, and she just like stuck to me. And I was like, get down. And she's like, no, it's cold. And I'm like, yeah, but you're heavy. Um, she's four now she's getting heavy um but it's a weird holiday we celebrate we put up lights and we get joyous and we have big meals during the coldest darkest bleakest time of the year and for some of us it's a very dark time and for some of us like me christmas is a reminder of all the things that we don't have or all the things that we've lost so why do we celebrate at the darkest time of the year well there's a baby isn't there Christmas has got something to do with a baby. There's a baby, and he was born in a stable, and he was laid in a manger, and he's a baby. And what's the big deal about this baby? Um, I want to read from the Bible for us. Um, and the, I, the reference isn't up there that's a r- rookie mistake uh, it's from Galatians chapter 4 if you want to read it for yourself Galatians chapter 4 Galatians is one of those books of the Bible I can never find Anyone else have that? Like, there's just like certain books of the Bible you just can't find uh, Galatians before and it says this and you can read it up there it says but when the right time came God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. That's what the big deal with the baby is. That's why the baby is so, so important. And that's what the baby did because the baby in the manger didn't stay the baby in the manger, even though some of us prefer baby Jesus to grown up Jesus. But the baby grew up and became a man. And that man, that baby in the manger became the man who was nailed to the cross, the man that we celebrate around Easter time. And the man on the cross became the man emerging from the empty tomb, became the king who sits on the throne. And so this baby Jesus that we worship and that we sing to here uh, in these carols becomes this great king on the throne. And here is a reminder of all the things that we have in this baby. It says that we have been made children of God. We have been made children of God, which is the cheesiest cliche that us christian people talk about. We're all children of God. And what does that really mean, though? That's something that we need to learn. What does it really mean to be a child of God? And I've been a father for four years. And in those four years, I've learned more about what it means to be a child of God than in the previous years. Because there's this little creature. She's a child now. You know when they're babies and they're just like squishy little babies, but you still love them? Like they can't do anything. But you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. But it's just there. are Children are amazing. And I love my daughter more than anything, and I'm so, so proud of her. And here are three things that this passage teaches us about being a child of God, three things that I've learned about being a child of God, and three things that I think make Christmas the most amazing thing that we absolutely should celebrate. The first thing is, as a child of God, we are loved unconditionally. We are loved unconditionally. How do I know that? Because I know for a fact that no matter how much my daughter annoys me, I still love her. No matter how many times she slams the door and says, I wish Mammy was here when she's not here. And I'm like, so do I. Um, No matter how many times that happens, I love her. And I know that as time goes on and she grows up and becomes a teenager, although she might do things that I don't want her to do, she might run away, she might hang out with that boy I tell her not to, she might do all those things I tell her not to, I will always still love her. And as a child of God, no matter what you do or say, no matter where you go, no matter who you are, God loves you unconditionally. So as a child of God, we are loved unconditionally. As a child of God, we are accepted as who we are. Let's just say for who we are. Yeah, that'll work. As a child of God, we are accepted as we are. Because sometimes I think there's this idea that God is only interested in the cleaned up Sunday morning version of ourselves. But that's not true. God loves us as we are. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he loves us just as we are. And it means that we always have someone to catch us. Now, what do I mean by that? We always have someone to catch us. There are times when Olivia thinks she's running free. Olivia's my daughter, by the way. I don't know if I said that. Um, There are times when she thinks she's running free. She'll walk away, and she has this thing that she says now. She'll say, I want to be independent. And we're like, okay. What that means is we're not to follow her. So we were in Ikea the other day and we were walking through the kid's pl- pl- place and she turned to me and said, I want to be independent. I'm like, where did you learn that word? Um, and she'll walk off and she'll think that I'm not there, but I'm always there. She'll think that I don't see her, but I always see her. And she'll start to climb something. And you know, you know as a parent, you know, there's like the three levels. It's like, okay, they're over there. They're doing the thing. Oh, I hope they don't really do the. Oh, they are. Okay. And so then you go over. And so I see her starting to climb on this bed and I'm like that's a bit high. So I'm over there. She doesn't know that I'm there and she fell and I caught her. She didn't know I was there. She thought she was independent, free and off by herself. But Olivia always has someone who's there to catch her. And as a child of God, the same is true of you. You always have someone who is there To catch you. You might think you're off wandering by yourself. You might think you're being independent. We do that sometimes, don't we? We think it's just four-year-olds. But no, we say, God, I want to be independent. And we walk over here and we do our own thing. And we think that God's not watching us, but he's always watching us. And we think that God doesn't see us, but he always sees us. And we think that God doesn't care, but he always cares. And he's always there. And then we fall. And what happens? God catches us. And so what does that teach us? There is always hope because sometimes for a lot of us christmas time this time feels hopeless sometimes life in general regardless of what season it is january to december feels hopeless some of us are coming out of a season of hopelessness some of us are moving into a season of hopelessness the funny thing about life is that no matter what's going on all of us will face a dark time at one point or another but I want to remind us and what the baby in the manger reminds us of and so what this passage reminds us of is that there is always hope. Some of you know that a few years ago, while we were still coming to this church, my mother passed away when I was 27. So that's two parents, two for two. Um, but my mother passed away and it was awful. It was one of the worst things that had ever happened to me, but I knew I could get through it because I'd been through it before. I knew that God would catch me because he had caught me before. See, a season of hopelessness taught me that there's always hope. And so even though I was facing darkness, I knew I could get through it. Not that I could get through it because I'm so strong, but that I could get through it because God was with me. And I want to say to you, each of you here, or anyone who can hear my voice, whatever you've come out of, whatever you're in, whatever you're going to go in, there is always hope. Always. It's never hopeless. You might think you're out on your own being independent, but God is there to catch you. So this Christmas and every Christmas, when we put up our tree, when we decorate the place, when we stick the baby in the manger, let's remember what it means. It means that at the darkest time of the year, the darkest, bleakest times in our life, there is always hope and always a light shining. Thank you very much again uh, for having me. It's been brilliant to be here with you all again uh, and to see so many familiar faces and so many new faces. And I love this room and just all this stuff. So this has been really, really great. Thank you for having me. I'd love to pray for us and then we can we can move on with our evening. Yes, Lord, thank you. Um, thank you for this time of the year and for the truth that there is always hope, Lord. The baby in the manger reminds us that there is always hope pray that you'd bless us and bless all of our Christmas preparations, Lord, and whatever shopping needs to be done and whatever food needs to be bought. And when the day comes, Lord, I pray that we will spare a thought um, for our savior born in the manger who went to the cross, who became the king of the throne. Thank you for our hope, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.
1: I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. This is the word of the Lord.
3: Well, let's talk to God in prayer. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder of this amazing story, of these amazing prophecies that hap- that were spoken many years before Jesus came, and how this amazing baby fulfilled all of those prophecies and became the man who went to the cross and who died in our place. Father, we pray that as we've been reminded of this good news, that, Lord, that you will continue to speak to us even after we leave this building. That, Father, that if you have been speaking to us this evening, that you will help us to respond To the love that you have shown us in Jesus Christ. That we will say sorry for our sins. That we will ask for your forgiveness. And that we can be assured that we are forgiven. And that we are able to become your children. Father, so we pray that you will do that good work in our hearts this evening. And that, Father, that you will come and be our Father. And we thank you that it's possible because of what Jesus did. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all evermore. Amen. Please be seated. Just quickly before you go, um, we would love you to stay. There's tea and coffee and juice, uh, mince pies and lots and lots of good stuff up there. So if you, it's on the second floor. So out the door to the right, take the stairs and take the left. if you go left, there's a lift and you go to the second floor there. We like to give a retiring offering, but if you haven't come prepared, don't feel under any obligation. There are two bowls at the back, and that will go to the Dublin Christian Mission with their work for the homeless. Um, And there are also calendars there produced in Ireland uh, with uh, really good quality calendars with a message about Jesus as well. They're free to take. Uh, Please take uh, one with you or a couple if you have others that you would like uh, to have as well. And we're just uh, thankful for you coming, and we pray God's blessing upon you. Thank you.